0: Selena, I have a crazy question for you and for our dear listeners and viewers today. And it's this. Now, please don't just dismiss me right off. But what if Satan took up marriage counseling? What would he say? What kind of things would he want the couples that he's counseling to believe Mm. unto his nefarious ends? Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's it's something worth considering. Now, this isn't something that we thought of. Actually, we're going to read through a very well put together. Well, we're going to read parts of a blog post. We're going to talk about it. Um, by uh, It's put together by a gentleman named Tim Challies. He is a blogger, pastor, writer. Uh, I, I trust his theology. And so he's opened up some unique points of conversation yeah. for us. And we're going to do the same thing for you on the other side. Well, hello, hello, greetings and welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Our dear listeners, if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. It's good to have you. If you're new... Good to meet you. Howdy and hello. Howdy and hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm feeling extra relaxed right now. I'm feeling oh, that's festive. funny.
1: I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit wound up here. <laughs> there's more going on. Um, yeah, we behind get the into scenes. It, but there's but a lot, lot going on. Yeah. So we, I was scrolling on on the gram. You know, you know how I be sometimes. And people don't think it'd be like it is. <laughs> a friend posted a friend posted this in her stories, and I. Wanted to go read it because, you know, of course, it's just this clickbait of like, if Satan took up marriage counseling, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, oh, let's check that out. Which Save that why, in my Fierce Marriage Topics folder. Which
0: is why we use that clickbait title to titillate you the <laughs> other <side.
1: laughs> Old Timmy Challies. He's, he's <laughs> old Timmy. He's just rocking and rolling.
0: Had you ever heard of Tim Challies before? Yes, I had. Okay. Okay. Because you were like, I don't know who wrote this. And then you told me.
1: No, I, I know him, but I don't like read a lot of his stuff. Gotcha. But anyways, he wrote this whole article. They posted a few slides about it. We're not going to read the whole article, although I would encourage you to do that. We can probably post the link um, in in the notes. But it's probably a three minute read, four minute read. But he's just talking about he's just, you know, deconstructing all of these ideas of, you know, marriage being um something that man came up with. And so therefore, you know, you can, you can take it apart. It can look however you want it to look. And it's where sex goes to die. And uh, it's where men relinquish their headship and women just become disappointed and they start disrespecting them because they don't deserve the respect. They're not mm. acting like it, you know? And so it's so interesting to just hear this narrative that he comes up with. So we thought we'd read a few of the paragraphs and just discuss them with each other and with you all here. And now, Yeah. so well,
0: the, the main thing I want are, Listeners, viewers to take away from this and us is, okay, we're opening our eyes to some mm-hmm. of the lies that maybe we've come to believe yeah. and have been normalized in our culture.
1: Yeah,
0: We're opening our eyes to those. But even I think more important than that is to behold the beauty and wonder mm-hmm. of this wonderful thing that God has given us called marriage. Mm-hmm. And you may be expecting that from people like us for, you might be expecting me to say that, and to think that, but let me just tell you that we've been doing this for a decade now. It'll be a decade this, wow. uh, this upcoming, well, actually, no, it's been, it'll be 11 years this coming j- January. Um, but I can tell you that it's only gotten more beautiful the more I've understood it. Yeah. And I think that is the key. Like, I, mean, I won't say the key. It's, it's a critical part of having a flourishing marriage is beholding marriage as God beholds it. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, uh, when we do that, when we read scripture and we understand God's covenantal character, we understand how love is a, is a, is part mm-hmm. of God's character. Yeah. He is the definition and, uh, what is it? The, the enabler of the love that we share with anyone, but especially in marriage. When we behold that it dispels every one of these lies yeah, wholesale. <laughs> and so, uh, I, that, that to me is the biggest thing I want to take away from this is, how big and beautiful and wonderful is this thing called marriage and um, it's a gift. And I think when we see it as a gift and a beautiful one at that, yeah, we want to fight for what is good, right, beautiful and true. It's true. So,
1: um, and I think, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll kind of end it with that. Cause it's, okay. it's really, it just ties it up. So he does such a great job. So first, paragraph we're going to kind of read through real quick Mm -hmm. it says he's this is tim chalice who writes if satan took up marriage counseling he would want people to believe that marriage was invented by human beings either for reasons related to humanity's evolutionary origins or related to men's need to control and dominate women he Mm -hmm. would want people to believe that because marriage came from within this world rather it in no way reflects any kind of divine design for human beings or human society this makes it not only unnecessary but possibly harmful and oppressive
0: wow Wow! In just a few sentences, he's unearthed all of the kind of cultural paradigms of our day. Yes, the humanism yeah. aspect that somehow uh, marriage it, it is it is a uh, it, it's not an absolute institution; it's relative. It evolved as because hmm. humanity evolved, and it just was the way that worked. <laughs> okay, that's a very humanist perspective. Right. It's not being put upon us; it kind of welled up from within us. And therefore, we can do whatever we want with this thing that we essentially came up with. Right? Well,
1: Scripture says otherwise.
0: <laughs> here is the thing, and here, throughout all these lies, we don't necessarily think in our conscious minds, "I can do what I want in marriage." Right. Now, some would go that far, but I think Christians, especially, you're most likely a Christian, professing Christian, in this. Who, if you're watching or listening to this, uh, we don't say that overtly because you know that's not part of our vernacular. But we believe it. We believe that marriage is is anything. It, it's not covenantal. It's hmm. it's, you know, it it it. It's more it,
1: contractual. We right. treat it more contractually in how we, right, our tendencies, and when we get lazy, and how right. we deal with one another, and our communication, and how we prioritize one another, or how we spend our money. Like, if we our beliefs will come to light through those different avenues. Yeah. Well, when it's
0: time to forgive, yeah. when you have been severely sinned against. Mm or when it's time to overlook, um, you know, a quirk or an offense or when the, when the affection, the affectionate feelings of love are Mm. few and far between.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, then you start questioning why is marriage even valuable?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, if, if, if that's what gives value to your marriage, yeah, that value is going to, it's going to be like the the Dow industrial average. Mm -hmm. It's going to go up and down with whatever's happening in society or in your life. But that's not what Marriage marriage is externally valuable right. because God has assigned the value and that value is fixed. Another thing that Tim is uh, – a can, can that he's opening, I'll say, is – this: the, so we have humanism and now feminism. He said that mm-hmm. it's uh, it has evolutionary origins, of course, and then he relates that to the ma- man's need or men's need to control and dominate women. I mean, it's, that's just – Yeah. That it's, just I, checks the feminist box. Right, right.
1: <laughs> when actually in scripture, when we read Genesis 3, like – it's the woman who wants to dominate. It's it's her, her desire, desire yeah. will be for the man, but he shall rule over her. So once again, you see the roots of truth being contradicted. You see feminism here. Um, wow.
0: I mean, the antithesis of feminism is basically the mirror image of what the women's version of the fall is. Mm-hmm. Meaning that they think that the man is just trying to control and dominate, when in reality, they're the ones that are saying those things by means, or it, with the intent of controlling and dominating. Well, yeah. Now, there's always the one-offs where <laughs> right. you can say, well, look at this case or look at this case. And it's the what about isms, yeah. right? But like, no, like the normative model that we were given in scripture is mm-hmm. an- the antithesis yeah. to, f- to feminism. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, it's funny, the thing that they're decrying is, is the very behavior they're displaying. Right.
1: It always is.
0: Sorry, I went on a little <laughs> tangent there, but it's interesting. So, but if you find yourself in a, in a situation where you're starting to believe that that's, you know.
1: Yeah. You can start entertaining those thoughts. Um, You know, just scrolling and thinking and wondering, you know, Hey, is this really what marriage is for? Do, if you're not clear on things, like the world's out there to start to help you clarify, right? Well, like, think
0: about how uh, self-fulfilling and sabotaging it is. Like yes. if someone ever told you, Hey, you're crazy. <laughs> And he said, "No, I'm not crazy. Here's all the reasons." Like, well, that's what crazy people say, (laughs) or you're a liar. Well, you're just saying that because you're—that's what liars say. Or you're a controller and a dominator. Right. So if that husband tries to do anything, that's just what a controller does. Mm. He's trying to lead. He's trying to love. He's trying to—he's trying to be gentle. He's trying whatever. You're just trying to control me some way. (laughs) you see how that anyway it's interesting
1: yeah uh next paragraph it's not the second one but we're just kind of jumping around here if satan took up marriage counseling he would want people to believe that marriage is where sex goes to die rather than to thrive and that a lifetime of sex with one person can be nowhere near as satisfying as fleeting moments of sex with a long succession of people he would want them to be suspicious that to enter marriage is to settle for sexual mediocrity rather than fulfillment he would make sure this message is so endlessly repeated in popular culture that it becomes almost a given.
0: This is just a classic case of people looking at marriages that have failed or have not flourished mm-hmm. and saying that's the norm. Mm. Now, there's one thing to say that there is a uh, a cultural kind of baseline that yeah. we've witnessed. There's another to say, like, this is the normative model that God has given us. Okay. So I, what I would do in this case, to illustrate Tim's point, is I would say, talk to a married, a couple who's been married for 50 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They got married in their 20s. They're, they're in their 70s and they've had a good marriage. Mm-hmm. Measure that couple's happiness and then talk to the bachelor who has slept with countless women mm-hmm. over 50 years. Talk to the woman who slept with countless men over 50 years mm-hmm. and look at the
1: fruit of the fruit. Who's the going life. to be
0: having a more fulfilling sex life? Right. right. Who's going to look back and say, oh, man, I have had this. This is a garden A cornucopia of fruitfulness in our lives. Right. Well,
1: and it's not just because they've been married for 50 years, right? It's because they have actually made an effort to, right? They've cultivated the garden. They have (laughs) watered the garden. It's not just an automatic thing that happens, right? If you believe that your sex life is just something that should happen, then friend, you need to reestablish some of those beliefs and figure out what's going Mm. wrong because you, if you're just left to your defaults, no one's sex is not going to be thriving. It will feel mediocre. It won't be fulfilling. It will feel empty and dutiful. Not that it doesn't have those moments, Mm. but overall the, the fulfillment and the flourishing that it, that God designed it to be, uh, all of that is there. God has given it to you as a married couple. You have to till the garden, take the, you know, take care of the land uh, and take care of that aspect of your relationship. It will not just happen to you. So I think that is, and then yeah. he moves into this next point. If you, if you don't, do you want to read that one?
0: I was going to do this real quick. The, okay. So he talks about people being suspicious to enter marriage because they're settling for sexual mediocrity.
1: Our culture is so like sexualized what, right now. What it's a like,
0: worldly way to think about yes. it. Yes. So th- this presupposes what a number of things. What a small way to think about and Tim it. is is doing this on purpose. <laughs> right. But to, like if, so, when we were engaged, we had never been intimate and up, up until our wedding night. Yeah. And I'm just, I, it never occurred to me that I'm settling for sexual mediocrity. What what occurred to me was I can't wait to to be one with this woman. For my whole wait, life. And I can't <laughs> like, wait to build a life with this woman. Yes. And as opposed to I've had any number of, I've, I've bedded any number of women and I'm now comparing you to them. Mm. And like the, the, the world has so effectively detached sex mm-hmm. from a re- emotional
1: relationship
0: yeah. relationship it's become
1: carnal and physical and they've and deta- so
0: you've detached sex from the emotional you've also detached sex from the physical through mm-hmm. birth control and mm-hmm. through abortion and through yeah. you know any any you know just the the mentality that goes into that and so what a worldly way to think about this
1: yeah
0: um and of course the devil would be all about the worldliest way yes. to think about these things let me read the next one <laughs> It says, if Satan took up marriage counseling, he would want people to believe that children are a hindrance to a happy marriage rather than a blessing to it.
1: Mm.
0: And that people are happiest when dedicate when dedicating themselves entirely to themselves rather than to others. And if they still insisted on having children, he would want them to think of those children as a lifestyle choice, as a kind of prop to be used to enhance a parent's sense of personal satisfaction. What do you
1: I, call those people that... Dual income, no kids. Oh my goodness. What
0: a fitting name. (laughs) Like I I get it. Like we were dual income, no kids for for a good number of years.
1: Ignorantly. But the people
0: that are online posting, yeah, you're a dink, dude. You're dinking around. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've said this before on the parenting side. I've I said this We've at a Fierce Families this, yes, conference. Yes. Like there's this commoditization of children that mm-hmm. they are a, they are they have become a lifestyle choice.
1: Yeah. Well, hello abortion. Like
0: Yeah. I got I got lit up online, uh which is five I love it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> People you know it's funny because
1: yes, half and the no, time I'm, I'm trolling. Yeah. Uh
0: because I know like what buttons that <laughs> And, and I want to like push the buttons, buttons sometimes. Well, because of the people, yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. anyway. <laughs> and what I, I, I talked about, I said, uh, it occurred to me because here's how silly it was, okay? I couldn't find the charger for my laptop,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the cord and the, yeah. the little thing that goes in the wall. And I looked everywhere and I go to our seven-year-old daughter. I said, Em, have you seen the the laptop charger? And she goes, oh, Yeah. It's buried in this bin of toys. I don't know how it got in there, but she knew exactly where it was. And she like a beeline. She went to it, got it and gave it to me. And I looked at her. I said, wow, the slow and dangerous behind the wheel children can't serve (laughs) purpose.
1: He's quoting a movie. I'm quoting Dumb and Dumber (laughs) if you didn't get that reference.
0: He's talking about old people in the movie. But I I looked at her and I said, you are legitimately, I, I already value you, right? But you tangibly bring value to our household. Yeah. Because of these little types of things. Then I think about when they go and get eggs from the chickens or they help make breakfast in the morning or they, you know, they, we work on stories together. They, they bring, they willingly do
1: these things and happily do these things. Like they come to us and it's more of us trying to navigate the time it takes and energy and mess rather than we're not always like, but
0: they actually help. Yes. And this is not a new concept. It's, it goes all the way back to biblical times. Kids are an asset. They are actual assets they're now. A people are probably going to comment. They're probably going to comment on this video now. But I said that. I said in this, it was on Facebook. I said, you know what? What parents without kids who are considering kids need to know is that yes, kids are a blessing, but they are also like they are tangibly adding value to your family. Mm-hmm. They're not just a net negative, is what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The some some uh, feminist person, some feminist thing shared our, shared it on their her, her page or their community or whatever. So and I had all, all these just, people flooding in. <laughs> And I was just having the time of my life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All these ladies. One was like a cat rescuer or something like that. And And she like, she's anyways, I shouldn't go there.
0: Enough said. Um, (laughs) But they, uh, they, they were convinced that I was uh, a child laborer and I was exploiting our children for labor. And I had, and I was telling people, you need to have your your kids for child labor. That's what they thought I was.
1: (laughs) Nowhere in the poster are you yeah. anything that it say that. Of course, we do not believe in that. We, hello, we're homeschoolers. We're like yeah. wanting them to like be outside and breathe fresh air and play yeah. and run and do all the things kids should be doing.
0: Well, that's the beauty of not caring what they think or feeling like I have to justify myself to them. But the point here is that the the enemy would have us as married couples believe that children are anything other than what God said they were. Right. And God clearly says children are a blessing. Period. Yeah. Now, how are they a blessing? Well, it's for you to figure that out, but tangibly they're a blessing simply by being a like any parent who has a child in biblical marriage is going to look at that child and say, "Praise God." Yeah. I cannot well, believe this miracle I'm holding. Yeah,
1: they're a blessing on so many levels, emotionally, spiritually, physically, like yes, they take a lot from you, but it's when you you've got to die to yourself in order to just no. right come alive in Christ. Like those are the no those are the types of, we need children in our lives to teach us those things, to bang out the sanctification and sanctify us, right? The sin and the darkness that's in us. So Christ gives us, God gives us children as a blessing. They are not a lifestyle choice. And maybe they started out that way, but I'll be here to tell you that once you have them and you can't go back, like it is such a blessing and it is such a beautiful thing. And you will move from that lifestyle choice. At least I pray that
0: Yeah, and and wise couples would understand that before they have kids. We were not that wise. Uh, We needed to have kids to understand what that meant. Yeah. Okay, this next one. If Satan took up marriage counseling, he would want husbands to be passive in their leadership and wives to be so disappointed in that lack of leadership that they feel justified in failing to respect their husbands. Satan would want wives to determine that submission is a mark of weakness and that if it is given at all, it should be given only when it is earned. Who mm. would want husbands to treat their wives harshly instead of gently and to express constant disappointment rather than delight.
1: Mm. It's interesting that he hits some of the tendencies that I think we can all reflect on in our own marriage and in the roles that God's given us, right? So I, I did a talk at our Fierce Families Conference about strength and submission and how there's the, there is some discomfort and pain sometimes it feels like in submission, but it's not it's not the submission that is causing that it's, it's our sin waging war against obedience of mm-hmm. what God has called us to do as a wife. And and that means sub, submitting, like you are coming under the mission of your husband, you are submitting, coming under that mission. And even, you know, we talks about that when they are, am I always, so if you flip the script, we've been doing this a lot and talking. So if I, I'm wanting to be loved, right. But if I'm, you know, nailing it. I've got, I'm, I'm on a a streak. I'm doing really good today. I haven't sinned much. I'm really lovable, really lovable. Like you should love me a lot. You should love me more than you usually love me on most days. Right. Isn't that how it works? Right. And so insert submission, right? So if you are, if you're acting in a way that is not worthy of my submission, like, do I still submit? Because you're not really acting like you're not deserving of it really.
0: (laughs) I'll say this another way, because I think this is the point you're making. If men loved their wives when their wives only deserved it. <laughs> right. How, how heinous would that be? Yes. Because what's the call in Ephesians 5? Men, love your wives as mm-hmm. Christ loved the church and give himself as a sacrifice for her. Yeah. Wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your, submit husband. your husbands as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> does the Lord deserve your submission always?
1: <laughs> he does. Because that's how
0: you submit as unto the Lord. Always. So? You, you submit to your husband in the same way. Now, that doesn't, all the caveats, okay? It doesn't mean that your husband can be just a complete flake. Like he needs to do the first part. Right. Love your wife as Christ has loved He's the submitting
1: to Christ first as well. But how, is required.
0: yeah, how heinous would it be if I just said, I'm not going to love you today because, uh, do dumb.
1: But I'm doing so good. I'm so lovable.
0: Well, if you're lovable, I'll love you. Okay. But as soon as you stop being lovable, yeah. then forget about it. <laughs> That's not any way to live a marriage, <laughs> it's okay? It's Satan would love for you to believe that it is. Yes. Okay, uh, let's do this last one. If Satan took a marriage counseling, he would want even Christians to focus more mm. on the struggles and difficulties of marriage than on its joys. He would want even Christians to talk, about, to talk often about how hard it is and seldom about how good it is. And he would most certainly want Christians to forget all about the reality that the deepest meaning of marriage is not first about a husband and a wife, but about Christ and his church.
1: Amen. Amen. So he
0: would want you to, to get your eye off the ball.
1: Well, and I think that we we have a tendency to do that. Even in just normal conversations, not even about marriage, right? We're so prone to complaining and grumbling and, mm. oh, I wish, you know, it was easier whatever. Instead of leaning into what the Lord might be trying to do in your heart, in your marriage, right? So yes, we have struggles, but hey, you know what? We had a really great time doing this or we really uh, connected over this conversation that usually is is really hard. And this is where I think brothers and sisters in Christ really come into play. I mean, just recently I was able to just text to my sisters in Christ and say, Hey, I'm struggling with the situation. And it wasn't with you. It was just other things that were happening. I could use prayer and just, you know, just the, here's where my heart is. And they just wrote back and said, yes, we understand that's, that's challenging. Um, Maybe the Lord is trying to grow you in this area. Maybe there's what is He trying to do? How can you love yeah. in this situation? And so, and God for them. yes. That's and awesome. then when it does happen, I can go back to them and say, "Praise God." Like He did answer my prayers. He answered your prayers. He I was able to not just just fall into a spiral of how difficult and terrible mm. things are. Like God is good. and He showed me the joys that are set before me. And so that can be our prayer, I think, as Christians in marriage, That, yes, we're here, Fierce Marriage, we're talking about the struggles, but more so we want to be pointing you to Christ, talking about the goodness and blessings that God has given us through marriage, through family, through children. And there are blessings and joys that are deeper than we can even begin to discuss on this podcast. And we are constantly, I don't know, I feel convicted to be like, yeah, we need to just do, we just need to do a whole month on why marriage is the best (laughs) and talk about all the good aspects of marriage. Yeah. Or have people write in, like, what's your favorite part about
0: marriage? com slash ask. You can write in without asking. You can actually tell us. Uh, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm truly convinced that the cheat code to marriage, the cheat code to life is gratitude and contentment born from having a right view of God's goodness mm-hmm. in whatever it is he's put you in. Yeah. Amen. It's the cheat code for everything, yeah. it, for suffering, for marriage, yeah. for parenting, for Vocation for manhood, womanhood, for everything. Yeah. By beholding God and how He's designed the thing or or, or purposed the thing that He's put you in. And then as a response of beholding God, say, Thank you, Lord, Mm -hmm. and I'm content. Yes. Why am I content? Not because of the circumstance, not because my wife is perfect and she's doing all the things I think she should do, but because he is God and He has done what God does. Yeah. Amen. And he is trustworthy and faithful and good. Yes. And so the enemy would love for you to forget about God's goodness. Yeah, He would love for you to forget that marriage is good. And he would love for you to think that uh, your opinions of marriage matter more than God's opinions of marriage or God's design God's word, for it. Yeah. God, does God have opinions? I don't think he has mm-hmm. opinions. He just has
1: decrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he I was has like, more. I don't think opinions I is mean, mean, good with yeah, the whatever. accurate word.
0: <laughs> it feels a little bit, if a little squishy, I'll say that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But anyway, if you don't know who that God <laughs> that I've just described, if you don't, if you've never considered uh, who you are before God and that he is perfect and you are not, mm. we're here to maybe put that mirror in front of you and say, look at this holy, good God, who mm. the creator God, the perfect uh, origi- originator of everything. Mm. And you stand before him as somebody who has lied, who has maybe stolen, who has maybe had hateful thoughts or the lustful thoughts, if not committed acts of lust. Mm. You are a sinner before a perfect God. What are you going to do? Mm. What do you do? Well, you ask him to have mercy. Mm. If he decides to, he will. But here's the thing. He already has given mercy and he's Mm -hmm. done it through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. And that whole story is for you to unpack. If you don't know who Christ is, you need to know Christ. And to do that, we recommend you find a friend who is a Christian. If you have one, say, show me Jesus.
1: Tell me about Jesus. Can you tell me about
0: Jesus? Can we read the Bible together? Find a church. Number two, find a church that preaches out of the Bible. and will teach you who Christ is from the pulpit. And if you don't have easy access to either of those things, we have a website that will also help you. It's this, it's thenewsisgood.com. We encourage you to check that out. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father, thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you that you have given us truth to dispel all manner of lies that the enemy would have us believe. I pray that you would uh, give us eyes to see the lies that we've believed. Help us to uh, reject those. Help us to repent of our belief in those lies and instead turn our belief to you and to give you our full belief and our trust, and may we act on it as we place it on you. Lord, I pray for the couples who are struggling. That you would strengthen them, give them a path forward. pray that you'd put pe- put people in their lives that will lead and guide them back to the living water, back mm-hmm. to your word. Mm-hmm. And I pray that as a result, they would find joy that they've never had before. They would find peace they've never had before. I pray that they would find closeness to one another, closeness to you, that they would flourish for mm-hmm. the rest of their lives.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As by your grace and by the blood of your Son, Jesus, we pray.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: All right. Thank you for joining us once again for the podcast. If you'd you'd like to support us, we would be honored again. We're so blessed. Mm -hmm. And I just am completely blown away whenever someone joins the Fierce Fellowship. That's what we call it. Yeah. So go to FierceMarriage.com slash partner. We'd be honored to have you there. That said, this episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast is... In the can. We'll see you again in about seven days. Until next time.
1: Stay fierce.